0: Welcome to the Wet Podcast, episode number 21. I am your host of the Writing, Education, and Technology podcast. Today I am very excited to have Dave Warner on from Dave's Lounge. Uh, Dave's Lounge is a podcast that I've listened to for many, many years. Uh, It's chill out, music, trip hop, uh, down tempo. It's, It's really great. You should totally check it out. Uh, Dave and I talk a little bit about the podcast and music, but we talk about a lot more than that as well. Uh, Dave has some very uh, strong views on independent music versus uh, uh, big labels. We talk about the film industry, the Sony hack, SOPA, the cable industry. Uh, Dave has a site called What You Pay for Sports, where he breaks down how much of your uh, cable bill goes to sports. We we talk about a lot of things in this podcast. It's really... Uh, really a good conversation, and I was really happy to have him on. Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep the intro short today because it's kind of a long interview. But I do want to tell you a story real quick. Uh, usually when I record these podcasts, I I, we, I do it over Skype or Google Hangouts. And when we use Google Hangouts, Google makes its own copy, you know, which sometimes I can just strip the audio from. Uh, when I use Skype, Skype, I usually just record locally. I've been using this new software, uh, new-ish called Voice Meter, which is really great. It's a virtual mixer. It's really a wonderful software. But um, <laughs> in the new version, they're, they're, it's pretty complicated. It's got its own recorder and all this stuff. So um, usually what I do is I just record locally, but when I have podcasters on, sometimes I'll ask them to record on their end as well and then send me the audio because it sounds better uh, if you go back to the episode with Simon Whistler you will find that the audio quality and that's really good because Simon actually sent me the audio that he had recorded locally so I asked Dave to do this and he uh, he said yeah he's like okay yeah sure and so we, we, we had this great conversation for an hour I go back and I listen and I've only recorded my audio I haven't recorded Dave at all. My heart sunk a little bit, you know. I was like, "Oh no!" But luckily, I'd asked him to record. He sent me his, and it sounded great, and everything was fine. But I had a moment where I was like, "I sure hope he recorded and he recorded properly, <laughs> because otherwise, um, I, it would have been a wasted hour." You know, I've done twenty-one of these and thirty of "That's a Wrap." Uh, 31 of us, perhaps, so over 50 podcasts, and my greatest fear is losing audio, and it hasn't happened yet, knock on wood, but that was close, and I went back and realized it was because in Voice Meter, there's one button I'm supposed to press that I didn't press, which would send the, his audio to the recorder, so. Lesson I learned from that is do a test and play it back before you start the conversation so you know what you're recording, so. Uh yeah, so there's a little technical drama for you behind the behind the scenes. You can find the wet podcast on iTunes, and I would really appreciate it if you do go to iTunes and leave a review. You can also find it on Stitcher or at the website ericmarshall.net slash wet. That's Eric with a K. Marshall with two L's.net slash wet wet uh, that's where you'll find show notes we talk about a lot of things in this podcast and uh, the links will be in the show notes at eric marshall.net slash wet you can find them there under dave's lounge episode number 21 i hope you enjoy the interview So I have with me today Dave Warner of Dave's Lounge. Hi Dave, how's it going, Eric? Good, good. So um, I've been listening to Dave's Lounge. I don't know. I can't even remember how long I've been listening. To be honest with you, it's been such a part of my life for such a long time. Nice. So I'm really, uh, yeah, I'm really gratified that you. uh, Really happy that you you agreed to come on to the uh, to the podcast because I know your your voice and the music that you play has been um been a big part of my life for such a such a long
1: time. Well, thanks. It's glad to hear glad to hear that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, could you explain to the listeners what the what your podcast is, how it works?
1: Dave's Lounge uh, showcases the best in chill out, trip hop, and down tempo music. I started the show back in two thousand five uh, when I was looking for a music podcast that played this type of music that I really like, and I also uh, ran across a number of artists that I thought deserved a little bit more publicity than they were getting. And so I decided to start the podcast myself and promote them myself. And it's just kind of grown from there. That's great,
0: yeah. And, and I have discovered so much music through your podcast as well. Well, and that's you part know, of the of goal
1: because music discovery is such a tricky thing these days, especially when you have so many uh, music discovery programs out there that are just feeding you, you know, more of the same stuff. So I tend to focus on something that is a little bit off the beaten path and something that most people might not have heard before.
0: Yeah. And you do a, you do a really good job of that. Mm, Thank you. Week after week after week, you know, I don't listen to a lot of, um, music podcasts. I listen to a lot of, like, talking podcasts, but the only ones I listen to are, I listen to yours. There's a metal podcast I listen to, which I know is, like, diametrically opposed to what you do, but I like metal as well. Yeah, pretty, the opposite of chill, pretty much. (laughs) The exact opposite of chill, very much so. And then, um... The, I think the very first podcast I ever listened to was uh, Brian Ibbett's Coverville. Oh, Do you yeah. Know that? I, yeah. yeah. I've, I've
1: met Brian a couple of times at uh, oh, the uh, New Media Expo. Uh, Brian's a really cool guy, and he does a fantastic show. I've picked up a lot of different songs and found out about a lot of different artists from that show
0: yeah yeah me too me too because i love covers anyway yeah you know and he does such a good job of digging. he will find (laughs) he
1: he he does a much better job than i do even in uh, finding new music and i think just because he is a lot less limited in what he can search for he just look it's just people singing other people's music and so when he goes out and finds you know you know william shatner singing rocket man although that's pretty tip that's that's far from the strangest thing he's ever found but he can he he gets some good stuff
0: yeah definitely yeah because he arranges them by um by topic, like Johnny Cash or whatever, exactly. right? And he, you're right. He's got a wide, uh, wide range. He's probably got the opposite, uh, problem as you. He w- he probably wants to stay away from a lot of the, um, mainstream stuff, exactly. You know, and right, yeah, dig deeper. So I think that was the first uh, podcast I ever listened to, all those years ago. And then yours, of course, has stayed, you know, stuck around for for a long time too. And you just had episode number 300 recently. That's correct. Which is to me amazing
1: well when you do 300 of anything it's it's generally a pretty big deal so i'm 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 thankful that i've been able to keep going this far and that my listeners have been able to sustain me you know in yeah. in going this far just through either through words or through even financial support
0: yeah that's that's real nice um yeah cuz that's 10 years 300 now 301 shows mm-hmm. right and uh and going strong and going to so be working on
1: 302 so... after i get done with this <laughs> it never ends no huh? just the, the cycle keeps going
0: yeah yeah and that's part of, that's I mean that's great. part of the
1: the part of the reason for the success of anything is you know half of it is just showing up and yeah. being able to stay on a regular schedule is kind of a crucial component for this show and something that I try to stick to because if people know every two weeks there's going to be a new show then they'll stick around for it and keep coming back.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. That's been one of my challenges with this podcast. This is going to be episode twenty two, so I'm pretty early on. Mm-hmm. But um the one thing I said was I would be consistent. You know, every Friday there's going to be an episode. And uh it's mostly interviews, but sometimes I don't have an interview because, you know, for whatever reason. So I'll just do what I call a solo cast and just talk just to make sure
1: there's something every friday right for people to look forward to right and you and know, and, like and that's what you got to do if you have to be able to stick to a schedule like that in order to have something that's successful over the long haul yeah i
0: i agree completely uh it, yeah and you've done you've done a great job of it so with your uh with the music you play it's it's very you know it's for me, it's been a very big source of calm in my life, which which I need. Right. I have needed mm-hmm. throughout my life, um, and and like you said, you you, you find um, a lot of music that's maybe underrepresented that maybe people don't know about. So where do you uh, where do you generally
1: find the music? I have I've developed a lot of different sources over the years. Uh, initially, when I just started out, it was just. A you know you find some stuff on CD Baby and ask if they'd be interested in uh, you know letting me play their music on my show. Uh, Other times, yeah, there was uh, there was the old podcast music network, which I think is called Music Alley now, and I Mm -hmm. don't even use that anymore. I'm not sure anyone uses that anymore Uh, these days. I have relationships with about uh, half a dozen labels. uh, Sign Music, Deventa Music cold busted records um a few others and i also uh get a number of tracks from a group called the cosine collective which does uh, promotions for indie labels and i think i have a few uh indie label um promoters that uh, send me stuff on a regular basis as well so i'm able to find a lot of uh, a lot of in fact the bulk of my music from that these days and and from whatever people send me, you know, through email because a lot of a lot of artists out there are just looking for extra exposure and so I end up getting a lot of emails. Granted I also get a lot of emails from people who have never listened to my show and have absolutely no <laughs> idea what type of music I play. But mm-hmm. you know, you just have to, you know, deal with that and move on and, and when you find stuff that's that is in, you know, the that is in your wheelhouse, then you just go with it. Yeah,
0: that's that sounds about right. Um, yeah, I, I know when you open yourself up uh, in in any kind of public forum, you're going to get people who are just going to be like, "Hey, right?" Kind of spammy, or just kind of you know you're part of their shotgun effect, right? It's one of those. So it's
1: you, one of those things that just. It, just, it annoys me far more than it should, but lazy promoters <laughs> who just send me their indie rock and their metal and their alt rock and, and all of these bands <laughs> that just don't – they, they don't take the time to figure out, you know, which, which sources would be most likely to, you know – have a relationship with they're just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks and those type of promoters i just i don't want to mess with them because they clearly just don't put the put the effort in they don't put the effort in to do some research and figure out you know what podcasters they should be pointing their music toward they should be targeting better if you target your music better i think you will you will have much more success than if you're just throwing it out there to everybody
0: yeah, it does seem like a waste of time to exactly. uh you know, to be sending all these emails out. But you know, I guess it's a shotgun effect, you know. Um you you were on a list somewhere and they said, Oh, let's 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 throw an email this way. Exactly. I get some I get some weird emails, <laughs> even from this, even as young as this podcast is, mm-hmm. where I'm like, "Yeah, I don't think you understand what this is about." But so it sounds like a lot of music comes to you now, and I know that when you started, that can't—that probably was not the case, right? Mm-hmm. You were
1: no, I went basically went out and had to search for uh, different bands, and most of the time I was just looking on CD Baby for a different for different artists that I really liked. That was actually where I found uh, Natalie Walker when she was still. Uh, performing with uh daughter darling
0: mm, that was her first okay. in fact that
1: she was that album that album was actually one of the main reasons uh i ended up uh launching the podcast it was uh natalie walker and artemis and Talim klein mm. and bitstream dream uh i don't think <laughs> any of them are still active anymore uh tal i think is now doing media consulting somewhere in san francisco Uh, and, but it was all, it was just those, you know, that small group of bands, you know, got me started and then it just sort of blossomed from there and I was able to find a lot more ever since. So you found them and you said, you
0: know, other people need to hear this music. Yes. Right. So you started the podcast.
1: And no one else was really doing a podcast like mine at the time. There was, I think one other podcast out there called Tempo of the Down, but the I think they only lasted about five or six episodes before they before they folded. So I I figured there was a void there that probably should have been filled. Yeah, and you filled it. <laughs> yes, I did.
0: <laughs> I noticed on your website that you actually uh you have the other quality podcast um section on your website. Yes. And you do link to other kind of chill, you know, chill wave, chill uh Music podcast, which is nice, right? It's not a
1: there's a lot, there's a lot more that have come up um, over the years. I know uh, Angie B and Jim Nye both had a podcast introduced probably within a year of mine. Jim might have been a little bit later, but uh, so there's been a little bit more of that um, that has Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more uh, support for chill out music out there uh, as a result of that. And there's a a couple of others out there. There's, I actually really haven't explored um, what podcasts are out there now. I did find a few others out there recently. Um, one by I think DJ Cool Carla, she's doing something, and there were a couple of others. I think Chill Sky Podcast is uh, another one. Uh so I I think because the genre itself, you know, doesn't lend itself to mainstream appeal, you will find a number of other uh, podcasters and DJs, and and especially, you know, people on Mixcloud as well. There's a rather big audience for this type of music on uh, Mixcloud, and so that's why I've tried to set up a presence there as well.
0: Oh, that's great. I will definitely link to all of this in the show notes as well, which people can find at ericmarshall.net.
1: Mixcloud.com slash Dave's Lounge is my channel there. I actually have a couple of mixes on there that uh, I wasn't able to put on the podcast because they have a little bit of major label music in them, and I generally don't feel like getting sued so <laughs> Right,
0: right. Yeah, I definitely do want to get into that. <laughs> um into the major label versus indie label mm-hmm. uh in a little bit. I was just gonna say that I'm really it's really nice that you don't see the other podcasts as competition.
1: No, not really. I mean, ev- yeah. everyone's gonna find their audience and everyone's going to, you know a lot of a lot of the podcasters and DJs, it's it tend to work together on these things. In fact, it was another uh DJ on Mixcloud who heard my show and uh got me to uh uh be part of the Beat Lounge Radio family. And there's some fairly big DJs involved with that. Uh, Chris Coco, mm. uh, Cory Fairston, uh, a few others that have made, you know, real names for themselves as opposed to me who's just, you know, sitting in front of his computer finding music.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I you know I found just generally in the podcasting space that there's not like people tend to to cooperate more than compete, you know, mm-hmm. in in most areas. You know, I, I I follow a lot of writing podcasts. They all seem to you know give each other shout outs and cooperate and organize things together, and it's really nice. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't feel like they have to to compete against each other because, like you said, everybody will find their audience, and you know, audiences can listen to more than one thing. Exactly. So, right, which is
1: which is nice. One of the nice things about podcasting is that you can put, to, you can grab like five or six different shows, you know, all that all do the same genre and you have a complete set of things to listen to for an entire week if you want.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so f- as far as the major label thing that you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, so, so most of what you play is independent, or
1: small label, right? And it has to be. It has to be mm-hmm. because if you go out and you put major label music on there, you don't know how some people at those labels are going to react. I don't know if you're familiar with The uh, Jazz One, uh, the hip-hop blog uh, that got its domain name seized uh, two or three years ago. Um, basically, they he was accepting music from major labels and the promoters were saying yes yes put it out there put it out there we want people to hear this stuff and then the lawyers from those same labels uh, decided to uh, get the Department of Justice to seize his domain for uh, copyright infringement oh my which is just not so, cool you no. you know it, it you want it it's one of the things I said early on in the podcast you know the enemy of an artist is not piracy it's obscurity if no one's heard of you then you're then your material is just not going to get anywhere and the thing about the major labels is that they have such a chokehold a, a chokehold over uh, the music that is under their domain that they want full control over how that music is distributed and they're not willing to let let it go and let the fans put it out there and let you know other djs put it out there for people to hear it has to be through their own channels that the music gets out there and they force you to listen to those channels and and a lot of times you know we just want to listen to something else
0: yeah and it doesn't help the listener and it doesn't help the artist no
1: it doesn't well i don't think the the major labels have ever had any interest in helping the artist when it uh, when it comes down to it but the the labels just don't they're not interested in really working with podcasts i think there may be some promoters in there who are a little more savvy and know what they're doing but if the podcasters are savvy they will know that the lawyers for those same labels would come after them. And so that's why I I never mess with major label music on my podcast feed.
0: Yeah. Which which lends it a nice kind of indie feel, you know, I mean by necessity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder how how, how Brian gets away with it. Brian Ibbett of Coverville, because he has he must have some major label stuff that he, he
1: plays. has licenses. Uh he, I think he okay. was able to get some licenses from uh ASCAP and BMI. That allow him to do what he does, uh, and that's just something I've, you know, never, never really wanted to bother with because I, I would want to to keep it indie, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's enough, I mean, you you have 301 episodes. There's enough music out there. That's Well, there's that, more than you, enough you music. Play. There's there's there's, yeah. there's more
1: music than I will ever hear that I will ever get to <laughs> uh in in my entire life and I'm just out there, you know, looking for, you know, the good stuff that that catches my ear. And yeah. That's and that's the show basically. And I think the fact that you can
0: do that while avoiding the major labels kind of says a lot about the music industry and I guess the music business Mm -hmm. in in general right now?
1: Well, you don't necessarily need a major, major labels anymore. I mean, there are a lot of bands and a lot of artists out there who are finding ways to make a living now, you know, without the major labels. And it was just uh, about three weeks ago, I went to see uh, a in a concert. My future, future wife and I went to go see, uh, Mm -hmm. went to go see her perform and she's just, Basically, got her laptop up there, Ableton Live, and a you know, and a keyboard and uh, uh, Novation pad, and she's just able to create so much great stuff, and she can put it out there without anyone else you know getting in the way of it. Just say, here's my music, here's what I've done, here's where you can buy it, and here's where I'll be performing, and and she's got lots of fans and of course granted it helps that one of her videos went viral uh but she was able to to use that to harness that and go out and get lots of fans and get you know people coming to shows in in you know almost seemingly random cities and right. so you know you when you have that sort of DIY aesthetic and you have that sort of support directly from your fans, then you can make a go of it without ever having to worry about signing with a major label. You know, you just, I think it was, forget who it was who said you only really needed a thousand true fans to be able to support you. And if you can find that, then uh, you can actually make a living making music and you find a lot more artists out there are making a living making music and, And then you also have some folks who are just doing it as a hobby because they enjoy it. And some of them are making great stuff too. So, you know, it's it's, it's a really interesting and exciting time for music because there's just so much of it.
0: Yeah, I I agree completely. The uh, thousand true fans is a, kind of a mantra that I hear a lot in a lot of different fields, mm-hmm. and I think that's uh, and I like it because you know if you get a thousand true fans, the people who will buy what you put out will come see you perform whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. right? You get that, and you can sustain yourself, right? And it's a nice kind of shorthand for you know, you, no matter what you're doing, you have to build that yeah that fan base, yeah, and. And you can now, one can if you're putting out good product, and, you know, you can figure out how to how to reach people.
1: Exactly. And that's one of the things that I still, honestly, after 10 years, I still struggle with that with Dave's Lounge, being able to to build my fan base. Because naturally, I just want as many people to listen as possible. You know, if you enjoy this genre of music, you know, here's some stuff that I found that I think you'll really like. And trying to get the message out there, I think, is, has always been uh, my biggest challenge. And so in in many ways i've been i i like being able to use uh the 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 people who enjoy the show to help me spread the word about the show and you know little by little it's helped uh, it's helped the show grow over the years
0: yeah that that's that's fantastic and you'll get more you know from from this i know i have a lot of listeners who will probably be very interested in listening to the show mm mm-hmm. You know, I think it's great. I have a lot of uh, writers who uh, listen and I've had a lot of writers on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think your podcast is great for writing. <laughs> it's just it sets the tone really well, you know. So it's it's uh it's good for that. Mood music almost. Yes. You know. So uh that and long
1: car rides. Yeah, yeah another... it comes in handy. <laughs> Just make sure you're not making yeah. those car rides at three in the morning, because I, I know I <laughs> right, know there are a right. few people out there who yeah. use my podcast to help them sleep at night. That's true. So. Yeah,
0: you don't want to do both at the same time. No, no, sure. no, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have a, a radio background or any kind of uh, training in that? I did. Uh, col- that I did
1: college radio uh, when I was at Indiana University. So I actually, I actually did the hip hop show uh no back in uh 93 94 so i was out there collecting records and um and you know try try trying to mix records without a crossfader on this ancient mixing board so it was it, it was you know <laughs> it it was so much silliness but it was a lot of fun and it's just something that's kind of stuck with me over the years yeah
0: that's that's great you know the reason I ask is because you're you have the, you have like kind of that radio voice I guess in a way because mm-hmm. you know, the, the music is very it's very downbeat it's very you know chill but your voice matches you know the way you do the the podcast it's very soothing you know in a certain way so I can see why people would would uh, use it to you know to go to sleep or whatever <laughs> so that's why I had a feeling you had some kind of background in that maybe it's
1: one of those things, maybe, maybe I need to you know start creating some tapes where it's just it's just my my soothing voice guiding you off to sleep <laughs> all throughout the you night could... you are now completely relaxed you no know, maybe maybe that's something i need to start and something else i need to start developing
0: on the side you could do uh, hypno- like self hypnosis you know kind of exactly like, like, well you heard have you heard this Jeff Bridges thing? He's got this app. Oh oh um. the dreaming with Jeff site. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I, I haven't I you know I haven't actually looked at that site yet. I've been meaning to. Me it's just one of those it, it's one of those things that keeps popping up on uh, on commercials, you know, and, yeah. and and I just haven't gotten to it yet, but it's but yeah
0: it looks like a joke but it's real <laughs> i know
1: i know well it, i mean square squarespace couldn't have asked for a better promotion than that when you think about it it's like I hey agree. hey we got the dude here doing something come check it <laughs> that's out
0: right yeah exactly so you could have dreaming with dave <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's a there's an option i wonder if that's available i have to go I have to go, go go log into bluehost later see if that domain's still around there you go <laughs> That's great.
0: You know, one of the reasons, um, I, I decided to ask you on the podcast is, uh, because of in episode number 300, you, you went on, I mean, it's hard to call it a rant because, because of your soothing voice, right? but you know, once in a while you go on these, uh, you know, you have these monologues perhaps Mm -hmm. about the music industry or about this or that. And, uh, And the one in 300, you were talking about um, the movie industry and you were talking about um, the Sony hack. And I I was listening to that and I thought to myself, first of all, it's been a while since Dave's done one of these kind of, you know. Yeah, I don't I don't
1: do them very often, but when I do them, I try to make them count.
0: Yeah, well, you do a great job. Thanks. And then, and then I heard that and I was like, oh, I should totally talk to this guy because <laughs> we, we agree completely. You and I agree completely. That, um,
1: that, that was the little bit of no agenda in me coming out where, you know, you just look at a situation and you think to yourself, this is all such BS. All of it. Yeah. It's just like the, the entire Sony hack thing, the whole idea that, oh, my God, North Korea has, has come to uh, attack our servers and they're trying to punish us because we did this silly little movie. And it's like, no. Does anyone really believe this? No one. I mean, who really believes that that, that, that that's how it went down? I mean, this. I, honestly, I think they just decided that this movie was so bad that they they figured this was the only way that they could promote it was by putting it was by just taking it out of theaters and putting it into, you know, Google play and online services and getting people to watch it there and seeing how much money they could make from that. You know, maybe this whole thing was, you know, a silent test bed for something, Uh, even though it just seemed like a big public cluster for, for for lack of a better term. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, abs- absolutely. You know, I, I believe there was a hack, and I and it may have come from
1: North Korea. No, it did not come from North Korea. Unl- no, unless like there so. are a lot of disgruntled Sony employees who moved to North Korea, that hack <laughs> really did not come. There's no way okay. that hack could have come from North Korea. They may have routed through North Korea because they were mm-hmm. computer people who knew what they were doing. But no, the idea yeah. that there's any connection there, to me, is just nonsense.
0: Yeah but even if there was a hack and even if it did go through North Korea and somehow i, I still it still seems weird that it would be about this movie right mm-hmm. and i think that sony i mean there was a lot of damage to Sony because there was a hack, right? And I think they found a way to spin it because there must have been they must have had test audiences for this movie. And I'm sure those test audiences did not like it. Spin is right? the only they, thing
1: that they could have put on this really. I mean because yeah. the hack itself all it did was release a lot of damaging emails that mm-hmm. that showed the world that, you know, Sony makes, you know, racist jokes about the president and and they don't respect Uh, female directors I don't know if you follow Lexi Alexander at all on Twitter Uh, her handle is Lexi Alex and she goes into detail about how really horrid the movie industry is when it comes to you know new directors female directors minority directors and 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 just their general opinions of how things go and how things should be and She has been really quite the advocate for a good minority of talented people.
0: That's great. I follow her now. There you go. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, there was just—I saw—I'm not going to be able to pull it up, but uh, I just saw a good post recently. I'll I'll put it in the show notes about—it's kind of like, how are women doing in Hollywood this week was the— was the headline. I think it's a site that does this regularly and mm-hmm. talks about how basic, basically the answer is usually not very well, actually. <laughs> exactly, uh, You know, um, and that's, that's an ongoing thing that I think that people should be aware of for sure. Well, so, I mean, yeah, when, I, when
1: Hollywood's focus on women is almost entirely, you know, objectifying them, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, what what dresses are they wearing on the red carpet, and 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 how do they look in these movies? It's 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 all about their looks, and it's not at all about their talent, and it should be. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, you know, most of the movies, as you know, are made by men. Produced, mm-hmm. directed, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yep, uh, yeah. So as you said, Sony. I mean, the best they could do is spin it, right? Try to make something out of out of that. And I think I think it works for them. I think a lot of people saw that movie who wouldn't have seen
1: it otherwise. That's because there's an, uh, there's enough people in America who, if you tell them, you know, do this or the terrorists win, they'll do it. You know, <laughs> that that's really what right. it amounts to. And they just decided that this this would be the perfect way to do it because then they could. Make it seem like, oh, you know, this is our freedom of speech, which is also kind of ridiculous because, you know, for all the talk that the movie industry does about the freedom of speech, they've done a lot to stifle speech on the Internet for for quite some time now. Yeah. Both them and the recording industry. Oh, yeah. You get that uh, big
0: uh, screen at the beginning of every DVD. Piracy is not a victimless crime. uh Uh, Actually, Uh it kind of is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's why I say every time I see that.
1: But uh, th- yeah, yeah, the the, yeah. Re- the real crime is Hollywood accounting. No, no movie in Hollywood ever officially makes money. You know, uh, you could have right. a movie that makes like you know six hundred million dollars at the box office, and they can spin the numbers to convince you that this movie is not at all profitable, and thus they don't have to pay out royalties to anyone. It's just a yeah. giant shell game.
0: Yeah, it definitely is um and probably taxes as well. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah, don't pay exactly on those either for that matter. Exactly. Right? Well, yeah. And
1: plus you know Hollywood gets so many tax breaks from from governments who just don't know any better. They just see the glitz and the glamour and they don't realize they're getting taken for a ride.
0: Yeah. Here in Michigan, we had uh, tax breaks for the film industry for a while, and it was kind of fun just you know being on the ground because there are they, they shot so many movies here, right? <laughs> you know, and so that was kind of fun, you know, for us. I don't think Michigan made any money off of it. I, not, well, they might have. I don't know. Um, actually, I don't know the numbers behind that. They they probably
1: but, didn't. They don't. I. 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 I, You know. They'll. You know. A movie industry will come in. They'll. They'll bring their own people. They won't hire nearly as many locals as they as they promise they will. And they'll. They'll do their thing. And then they're out of there. And you know maybe. And they'll come back if they get the same deal again. Yeah. That's really what is why.
0: Which is why fewer of them are coming now because those uh, tax credits are. I think they're still there, but they're less. Yeah. But um, yeah. I think maybe restaurants and local businesses might get a bump, right? <laughs> but um, but yeah. I'm not sure that they make any more money. It was fun though. They did. They were shooting Batman here. The uh, uh, the new Batman movie, Batman versus Superman. Oh, nice. Which is- yeah, it's kind of cool. It's fun to drive down the road and see. Like, I, I, one day I was driving down the road and I saw a big tank on a side road, <laughs> like a huge tank. I was like, what is this? And I, I stopped and it was, they're shooting, a, I can't remember the name of the movie. The, um, was it Red Dawn, the one where it was originally the chinese and they changed it to they changed it to the, were, it
1: was originally the russians and they changed it to the north koreans or something or other i, something I like that yeah i, 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 think it was I haven't chinese seen either north one koreans, of them yeah. so i don't really yeah, care
0: yeah they did it because they didn't want the backlash from china which is where uh hollywood actually makes a lot of its money now exactly All right yeah you know dave i have a film podcast that i co-host i'm, I'm, I'm tempted to invite you on that as well <laughs> So you seem to know a lot about uh Well that's my thing is that I as well. I
1: really haven't you know I haven't been to uh the movie theater except once since uh, the movie industry tried to push sopa on the public the stop online piracy mm. act uh yeah. and I just at some point I just realized you know this is where your money is going you know you go and spend all this money at the movie theater this is where your money goes and and it's the same with like cable TV. It's like you're you you're paying for a hundred channels that and you only watch about five or six of them. And 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 even now, to some extent, I mean, you know, paying for Netflix and Hulu Plus and Amazon Prime, that still and feeds the, feeds the industry a little bit, not as much. And it at least allows other players and other producers to uh, you know to have a voice, which so to you know to me it's that's you know. Still better than cable. We'll put it that way.
0: Right, right. Um, so, yeah. So you have a beef with cable,
1: <laughs> something like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. But there's a there's a thread that goes through a lot of this, I think, because the um, the movie industry and the music industry, and I would add the publishing um, industry to this as well, mm-hmm. um, are all these kind of legacy um, industries from the 20th century that are being undermined by easily shareable media and they're doing everything they can to hold on and with the movie industry a lot of that is lobbying um you know writing they wrote sopa all by themselves and just pushed it through, although it didn't get through. But even even the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, you know, DMCA was mm-hmm. was written in large part by by Hollywood and the music industry. Yeah, uh, and and it's a lot of those provisions are still in effect, and um, it's it's crazy. And I think that it's it's big business. They have a lot of money, and they can pay lobbyists and try to write laws because they know they can't. I guess compete on the level playing field in a way. It's a little different with movies than it is with with music but it's the same I think concept right you well
1: know, and it works both ways because you know the the politicians who are you know willing to pass these laws are basically just trying to get elected year after year right and they're trying to fill up their campaign coffers and this is one of the easiest way to do it you know they'll just say look here's you 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 want me to help you then you put some money in the pot here and yeah. I will you know Try and get this law you've written through. And this works yeah. a lot more on the, the state and local levels than it does on the national level. I know North Carolina in particular had a, uh, a, a law passed a few years ago that l- eliminated more uh, practically eliminated municipal broadband just made the barriers for municipal broadband so high that Mm -hmm. they couldn't, that no new muni broadband could be created. Time Warner Cable essentially wrote that law. They wrote that law. They paid some guys, and those guys managed to push it through. And so now cities can't create their own, you know, municipal broadband service like Wilson, North Carolina, did with Greenlight. Uh, Mm -hmm. And now no one else can duplicate that now, which is one of the reasons we're all kind of thankful Google Fiber is showing up. At least now we'll have some legitimate competition.
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I heard about that uh, with Comcast in Pennsylvania. Um, Oh, God,
1: don't even get me started uh about Comcast.
0: But same thing. There was a municipal uh, push for municipal cable. They called it an illegal uh, competition or something like that. Basically wrote a law, got it passed locally in in Pennsylvania, and... um, yeah, Google Fiber, and I think that's one of the things, too, is that the Internet companies do not have the same in, uh, interest as some of these legacy companies. And that's why I think one of the reasons SOPA didn't go through is because the, uh, the Google and, and a lot of the other uh, – like Wikipedia and others were f- fought against that because mm-hmm. they saw that it would hurt them. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of these politicians – a lot of it is – you're right – Money, right? People put money in their coffers. They try to get these laws through. Exactly. But I think another part of it is they don't really understand the technology. I think most of these guys just don't understand it. You know, that's why the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. You, you said earlier about, oh, the terrorists. As long as you say you're fighting terrorists, it's fine. Same with hackers, right? Mm-hmm. The DMCA was like, oh, no, the hackers are going to steal all our stuff and, and pirate our movies, and you get this crazy law that outlaws. You know, they're 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 suing eight-year-old kids or whatever. You know, we keep hearing the stories, right? Exactly.
1: The, the, no, came- the, the the, you now, the music industry, I, you would think they would have dug their own grave when they started suing, you know, grandmothers and, and 10-year-olds and, and, mm-hmm. and dead people, you know, for, for, for sharing three or four, you know, when they started suing grandmothers for, for sharing gangster rap you know right. which of course didn't make any sense so <laughs> right. you know why are, why are you bothering with this why are you going after fans of your music why are you going after your customers i think that's that's the big question and i think if they just let it go and and created a set a system that worked for them and of course the sad thing is they might have just done that now because now you've got you know apps like Shazam uh, that are telling the The industry, what it is that people really want, what catches their ear, what interests them, and they can go out and figure out what songs are hits and go make more of them and so yeah. it it's it's a really it's one of those things you look at and you think you know we've been saying the music industry is you know the biggest bunch of Luddites in the world, but yet here they are you know creating this giant machine in the background, this giant database. And figuring out exactly you know what makes a hit and what they should be promoting, which on one hand goes to show just how risk-averse they really are, and how yeah. much they just don't want you know new styles or new sounds out there for people to hear because they're not willing to take a chance on them. there was All actually right. an, I remember an interview that and you can still find this on YouTube where Frank Zappa was talking about, you know, record promoters in the 1950s and promoters in the 80s. And the 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 record execs in the 50s were like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Let's put it out there. Let's see what happens, you know. <laughs> let's throw this against the wall and see what sticks you know and they that's how they found their hits they figured out which was you know what was popular and then they brought in the young kids who were you know the hip and the happen and cool kids who knew what was up and they were the ones who would say well we can't take a chance on this because it's not what the kids want and i know what the kids want and now you have the computers telling you what people want and so you know they have algorithms figuring out what songs actually make hits and you know that's that's how we end up getting you know shake it off" and all about that bass played over and over and over <laughs> again, because the computers are telling every the computers are telling the people in charge that's what everyone wants to hear, so there you go, yeah, yeah, it's a big feedback loop, yeah exactly exactly yeah. and 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 that's one of the things that I hope to do with my show is to be able to break that feedback loop and give people something else to listen to.
0: Yeah. It, it yeah, that's the I think the beauty of podcasting. Um and of just uh, of media in general of of kind of grassroots media, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. blogs, podcasts, all of that stuff, you know. Uh which is why net neutrality is a huge issue. Yeah. Uh these days because net neutrality is what lets us do this.
1: You want to be able to have another voice out there. You want to be yeah. able to to You know, hear from independent voices and be able to communicate with them on some level as well. I actually remember um, going completely off topic. Now, I wrote a (laughs) a football blog uh, back in about more than a decade ago. I started it in like two thousand and four, and I was able to you know find other other bloggers like me who who were interested in the same topics I was. And eventually that ended up leading to a gig with a Fan Fanhouse, which was a blog run by AOL Sports. And so here I am with, you know, a bunch of these other guys, some of whom are now, you know, big names in media, working for ESPN and CBS and, and writing for all, and SB Nation, which is another site that just kind of grew up organically from, you know, from the Internet. It it, it all stems from having being able to create your own platform and uh, have your own voice out there for for people to see. And, you know, because you go on, you know, you look on ESPN and you're only going to get, you know, a certain number of voices. Whereas right. if you go online, you can find any number of voices. And they will do things that, you know, the, that the networks just won't because they can't. Right, because they have those deals in place that you know they're paying lots of money to, to put this stuff on TV, and and they want to make sure that that stuff is put out there in the best light possible. Right. So you have a site called What You Pay
0: for Sports, yeah, com. yeah,
1: I've, yeah. This this is a site that I put together um a, a couple of years ago in order to show people the relationship between sports and uh, cable television, uh, and. It was one of those ideas that just sort of popped into my head out of nowhere. I remember reading on Deadspin.com back in 2006 about how ESPN makes its money. And it literally all comes from carriage fees. Well, not all of it from carriage fees, but they make the bulk of their money from carriage fees, which are essentially the fees that the cable company pays to the network to carry the network. And ESPN, I think right now, at the time they were only making about four bucks a month, you know, per subscriber. You know, to, to to be on the cable feed because they have, you know, they have sports, they have live TV, they have must see TV that everyone, you know, wants to see. I think right now, as of right now, ESPN has the twenty highest rated uh, cable TV programs in all of cable TV history. Wow! Really? Yeah. As of right now, and wow. and they 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 would have the top twenty five if it weren't for The Walking Dead. Uh, but anyway, wow! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Uh, but and, but ESPN makes right now that I think they're making five seventy five a month, you know, just for the flagship channel plus another seventy five cents for. Uh, ESPN2, uh, almost a quarter apiece for ESPNU and ESPN News, and that money comes right out of your cable bill. So it was about three years ago when they signed a new deal with uh, Major League Baseball for, I think it was about $700 million a year, and it suddenly hit me, that's our money. You know That money comes directly yeah. out of our cable bills and goes directly feeds ESPN, you know, whether you watch ESPN or not, you know, there's lots of people who have cable just so they can watch the walking dead or so they can have HBO or so that they can, there are certain things that they would want to watch that are not sports related at all. But if you have cable, chances are you have ESPN and ESPN too. So, uh, so the idea behind what you pay for sports is to show people how much of your money year over year feeds all of these, you know, major pro sports leagues and these big college conferences that uh, put on all kinds of sporting events, you know, whether or not they, you know, and whether or not anyone watches them, you know, as long as ESPN remains there in the cable bundle, which is exactly what Disney has been priming people to do for the last 20 years, then, you know, you're paying for this. So even if you have, if you get cable
0: just to watch your local stations or, or like you said, Walking Dead or something, mm-hmm. right? You're still paying all this money because those sports channels exist and they, and that's and they're getting paid, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You have this on the site. You have this great. It, you can check the boxes and figure out where all the stuff's going, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you I basically just,
1: you basically click on which channels that you have. In fact, let me let me actually bring it up here. I, when actually if i look at it i can actually explain it better mm-hmm. but you can click on the channels you have on the front page just go to what you payforsports.com click on ESPN uh TNT and TBS Fox Sports NBC Sports NFL Network and you can actually see how much of your annual cable bill goes to these leagues you know whether again whether you watch the channels or not
0: Right, So those five you just mentioned, it's 28 dollars and 82 cents to the NFL, 1694 mm-hmm. to MLB, and it ends up being 90 dollars and, and 42 cents. And that's just the money that goes
1: to the leagues. That doesn't, that's, that's mm-hmm. not as much as the actual networks themselves are getting, because right. again, ESPN, you know will get the uh, ESPN and ESPN 2 will get about 77 dollars uh, per year uh, of, of your money per subscriber if for per subscriber so so that's how they're able to that's how they're able to afford to pay you know 1.9 billion dollars per year to the nfl and 700 million per year to uh to major league baseball and i think espn and turner uh announced a nine-year 24 billion dollar deal with the nba Wowzers. Yeah. I mean, the numbers the numbers are obscene. They really are. And all yeah. of that is coming out of your cable bill, which is funny because there are so many people out there who absolutely hate their cable company. They mm-hmm. hate Comcast. They yeah. hate Time Warner Cable. And I think there was a story I saw today where they said, you know, as many as 15% of cable subscribers will drop cable altogether as soon as HBO's uh over the top service uh comes online. Oh yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um I don't have I don't have cable right now. Uh there was a period where I was I do watch football. I like um at the NFL. Mm-hmm. And so I was getting it from September to January. Uh, just to watch football and dropping it. And this year, I didn't even do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, a, I have an antenna to get over-the-air broadcasts, and I figure the money I spend in beer going to the bar is probably still less than I pay for cable. <laughs> so I'll just do that. You'll go somewhere else and watch it. I don't know, man. Beer's but...
1: getting kind of expensive these days.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I get more pleasure out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <So> well, then... <laughs> that's true, too. Than, than paying for the, uh, for than the pay, cable. Than,
1: than yeah. forking over your money to Comcast. Exactly. And so...
0: And you're right about HBO because I do like to watch a lot of HBO shows and, you know, Game of Thrones is coming back on soon. Yes. And uh, and I know a lot of people will get cable just for that, just mm-hmm. for HBO. Um, but I think there are struggles there because I don't think HBO wants to, like, completely disc cable because they get a lot of money from cable as well. Well, I mean, right? HBO has a deal and, you know, with cable
1: where they can go, they, you know, the cable companies will pay HBO, you know, for X number of months so that they can offer those free months of hbo to everybody Mm. so so that they and it's funny when you think about how much money hbo might make from people who stuck around for that fourth month and realized oh my god my cable bill just went up 20 bucks uh uh, yeah that's the one thing i mean hbo might claim that they don't make that much money from that but i I bet they 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 make quite a bit (laughs) from people who forget to call and cancel their hbo yeah, you're probably right. But they'll make a lot of, of just HBO Go as well once they... Well, they will because they, able, they do you know. still have a very dedicated subscriber base. You know, they don't yeah. have... they. I mean, you're going to have your people who sign up for a few months just so they can watch Game of Thrones and then be done with it. Uh, yeah. But you're also going to have that dedicated subscriber base that goes out and, and wants to watch all of the shows that you have. You know, the same way that Netflix has that. Yeah. I think it was you know Netflix's one of Netflix's goals was to become HBO before HBO became Netflix. Yeah and which yeah. is which is the direction that HBO is going in and they are going to get a good number of customers for oh, yeah. for 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 this over the top service especially when Game of Thrones come you know comes comes back on because as yeah. soon as season 5 starts you know that's the most pirated show on TV yeah. right now game of thrones but if people could pay for it and you give people an option to pay for it without having to get a cable subscription that might change yeah
0: and you know the uh, and people I, mean, I think a lot of people want to pay cuz it'll be easier
1: than pirating yeah. no you know? i and if, and that's the that's the thing that that legacy media you know keeps has had ignored for years and they're only just now catching on that it, if you give people an alternative to piracy that works for them, that's convenient for them. You know, they will they will pay you for it. They yeah, will give absolutely. you they will give you money for this. I mean, Netflix I think overtook uh, BitTorrent in overall traffic. What was it, two or three years ago? Yeah, because yeah. Netflix is convenient. It it ha- exactly it has tons of content. It has plenty of things for people to watch, and you know you don't have to worry about downloading it. You can just stream it and be done with it. Yeah, but it's
0: on your set-top box. It's, mm-hmm. it's built into your TV in some cases. Built into really your easy. phones.
1: Built into your yep. tablets. Built into your computers. It's everywhere, yep. and and yeah, and very you, know, you make it easy for people to watch something and to enjoy something, and they will they will pay you for that privilege. Yeah. Um, yeah HBO has an interesting uh, kind of
0: public stance about piracy. They seem to be, at least I've heard the uh, was it a president, CEO, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, talk about it as in. I think he, the quote was he sees it as flattery. They don't they don't seem to care, you know, too much about that. Uh, at least on the at least publicly.
1: And, well, that's, and I, remember, I think that's in part because their business model works for them. I mean, yeah. the the model that yeah. they had with uh, with the, with cable carriers, and I think the the conversion that they're about to make into mm-hmm. you know becoming an over the top service, becoming a Netflix, yeah. uh, you know yeah. that they still make their money. They still yes. make their money yeah. and they still know, you know, what's popular and they still go out and and can spend the money to to do, you know, certain shows that they know people will enjoy. And not to mention HBO over the years has been willing to take a chance on a lot of different things. Yeah. You know, so, unlike unlike a lot of
0: uh, kind of legacy media, big studios. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know who does a good job of of uh giving people what they want for cheap and easy is uh, Louis CK. I don't mm. know if you're familiar with his new Yeah, I I actually cinema. bought
1: one of his uh, uh comedy specials. Uh I just got one of those $5 downloads and yeah. uh, enjoyed it very much. And the fact that he's able to to do something like that, you know, just shows what you can do. You know with the internet today you know you could create you know once you've made if you've made a name for yourself then you can go out and go directly to your fans and say hey here's what i've done and you know is it worth five bucks to you and clearly yeah. enough people said yes i think he made a million dollars from that
0: the first one he did yeah, yeah the first one he made a million dollars and he he rented out the place himself you know he was doing these big um uh, not arenas, but big theater shows. Mm-hmm. Rented it out, rented all the cameras, shot it, edited it himself, paid for everything up front, and just said, "Here, I'll give it to you for five bucks." Right. You know, and in the in the email, and he he made a million dollars on that uh, the first time. He's done it, I think, three more times since then. He's also offered other people's stuff as well, mm-hmm. and he in, in the emails he says. Please don't torrent this. Like, I just want this to continue to make sense for me to do. It's only five bucks. Right. I'm trying to make it easy for you, and you go to the site, and it's just you know it's really easy to buy it. You know, he made it very, very like frictionless. Exactly. And, and if you I, make, and
1: that's the thing again, if you make it easy for people to buy, they'll support you. And yeah. and that's what Louis C.K. did. He figured that out, and and he it's done extremely well for him i it, yeah. so is he actually offering other uh comedy specials now through his site yeah he just he just last week or two weeks ago he
0: did one at the comedy store mm-hmm. and he just put it up for sale last week and i paid the five bucks again mm-hmm. you know so he's got i think 20 of my dollars now for four different things that he's done and then he put one out by uh tig notaro she was uh she's a comedian who uh she had cancer and all this terrible stuff happened to her and she did some stand-up about it it's really really powerful and hmm. and and crazy and then he did another one the only one i haven't bought is there's one by another comic who just just does crowd crowd work right and i don't know his name but i'm gonna i actually will probably buy that as well because i mean i could torrent torrent it i guess but i mean i'll give him five bucks you know i yeah. mean he's producing a lot of this stuff and he's you know making it easy and he's doing it without you know he's doing it's his own work you right. know and it's good work and he's not worrying about networks or studios or anything like that. And exactly. I, I, and,
1: and and you don't ha- and you don't have to worry about, you know, looking at you know some of the most ridiculous porn ads on the planet when you're looking at the <laughs> most BitTorrent sites.
0: Yeah. Worried about viruses and whatever exactly. else to right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, and he lets you download it five times. It makes it really easy. It's so great, and, mm, yeah. you know, he's a funny guy. So I think if we can, you know, find a model like that where independent voices, whether it's comedy or music or movies or comic books or whatever, where you can pay the artist directly, I think many, many people would be very happy to do that.
1: Uh, that you, you, then that's going to be one of the models out there. I know Patreon has gotten a lot of, mm. uh, attracted a lot of attention Uh, Over the last year or so, because a lot of a lot of artists are using that to uh, be able to support their careers. Uh, It's an interesting model. And I think you're going to find a lot of different models just continue to pop up over over the next few years. uh, As long as we have this space in which these models can, you know, be built up. And if we have that, I think you are going to find a lot of different ways to uh, make a living as a creator. I think so. Do you, do you use Patreon? Uh, I do not. Mm. Uh, I I have thought about it, but mm-hmm. uh, one of the main reasons that I don't is because a lot of my show is uh, based on other people's creations, and so oh, I, I don't. So, and while I do accept uh, donations uh, for the show, I don't know if it would go over quite as well on you know uh, a major platform like that. Uh, yeah. So for people
0: who yeah for people who don't know Patreon is a system where you can be a patron basically to artists and and for example um like like if I were to do that for this show which I do not right now um you could pledge a dollar or 2 dollars for every show that I release or something like that right basically right. um if it were a um a musician it might be for every song they produce or every album or or whatever it's a recurring payment um platform for for different types of artists
1: more or less right is that a
0: good description of it yeah no no, (laughs) no, that's a perfect description of it it's and
1: and and it's a really neat idea because it'll it's going to allow a lot of people to uh you know to continue to make a living doing what they love to do I, i know tom Merritt in particular has been using it a lot lately for for at least two uh different podcasts I know he's he's doing his own daily tech news show now. I mean, he'd been doing it for years for CNET and for Twit, and now he's doing it on his own. And because people want to listen to him, you know, people want right. to hear what he thinks, what he has to say about something, and he has that fan base who's out there willing to support him. So that works, you know, that works really well for uh, for someone in that position. So I I I think it's a great platform. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's um, it
0: goes back to what you're saying. You find your thousand true fans, and you give them the opportunity to, to support you. Yes, Yeah, you know, and uh, and and it's working for a lot of people. Um, I like how on your site you you give iTunes and Bandcamp links <laughs> to
1: so people can go buy the music as well. And and I've been you encouraged, and, and I always encourage that for people because you know it's the music that makes Dave's Lounge what it is. And so mm-hmm. I want people to go out there and actually uh, you know, support the musicians that are making the music as well. If they like them. You know, if they really like right. if they hear something that they really like, you know, go out and buy it. You know, ninety nine cents yep. for a song. You know, if you really like the album, you know, ten go go spend ten bucks on it. It's you know, it you'll you'll be helping someone, you know, make a career doing something that they love and doing well at it. Yeah, I and mean, there's nothing better than that. No.
0: You know? Nothing better. Nothing better. Um, well, you can find Dave's Lounge at daveslounge.com. dot mm-hmm. and you can find what you pay for sports at whatyoupayforsports dot com. Yes, <laughs> right. Yes, yep, both yep. of those, both of those sites. Yep. Okay, and maybe in the future we'll say, have dreaming with Dave. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll <laughs> maybe see. Not. <laughs> maybe we'll not. See. We'll we'll, but...
1: see. we'll see how much dreaming I feel like doing in the next few months. There you go.
0: Are you active on Twitter as well?
1: Yes. Uh, Dave's Lounge is my handle on Twitter. Uh, I also have a separate Twitter account for What You Pay for Sports. Uh, I had to, it, it's kind of an awkward looking name. It's like What the letter U Pay, the number for sports. Uh, oh. There's a direct link to it on WhatYouPayForSports.com. That's probably the easiest way to find me on Twitter there.
0: Okay. And, and what you pay for sports is just spelled like you would spell all the words.
1: It's yes. You know, what yeah. You the pay actual domain, like, oh, it doesn't yeah. have any abbreviations for
0: it. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and you have a blog on there too, which is, which is kind of interesting. So yeah, I don't, cool. I don't, I don't update the blog
1: nearly as much as I should. Uh, it's just, you know, you, I, I have way too many hobbies. That's <laughs> what it really amounts to. Yeah, I have, trust so, me. So, but I, understand. I, I I've, and plus, I just don't feel like repeating myself a lot. So, because I always end up coming back to the, you know, the same notions over and over about how things are. So, you know, I want to make sure that the content that is there is, you know, good and people are willing to go back to it, and it remains, in many ways, pretty timely. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense to me. Absolutely, mm-hmm.
0: absolutely. Well, thanks so, so much for coming on to the the Wet Podcast.
1: No, sure thing. Thanks for having me on, Eric.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wet Podcast. This is episode number twenty one with Dave Warner from Dave's Lounge. Please find us on iTunes. Or Stitcher. Leave some reviews if you don't mind. And you can find the show notes for this at ericmarshall.net slash wet. That's Eric with a K. Marshall with two L's.net slash wet for show notes and links. Thanks a lot. See you next week.